0: A listener production.
1: Okay, are you recording?
0: Legends, you are listening to episode 142 of the Howie Games, part A. And oh boy, oh boy, it is cricket season, the best time of the year. And to make it even better, it is an Ashes Home summer. Absolutely cannot wait. And at this point, the Howie Games would like to make a public service announcement. announcement, announcement. <laughs> In celebration of the aforementioned Ashes, the Howie Games team, in conjunction with ourselves, are formally announcing right now that we will drop a full episode weekly for the next month, starting today. Each of these four episodes will revolve around cricket.
1: Uh, I don't mind uh, sticking my neck out. I reckon this is brilliant.
0: Four big-name cricketers, and I mean big names. Beautiful. Worth paying your money for. This is what's needed. In-depth talking about their careers and the ashes
1: that's better good boy
0: <laughs> and we kick it all off today with a man that has taken more wickets than any other pace bowler in the history of cricket yep jimmy anderson is this week's guest jimmy anderson i say Come on, guys! Prior to this Ashes season getting underway, Jimmy had taken 632 test wickets and played 166 tests, the most of any Englishman, truly incredible numbers, and that's for a bowler. English fans, quite rightly, love Jimmy Anderson, I mean love.
1: So you search and try to find, but you don't know where to go. So many thoughts flood through your mind, you're confused and want to know. Mystery, what is to be so much more than meets the eye? Listen to me, time is your key. You will find out by and by.
0: Aussie fans, let's be honest here. We would love jimmy to be playing for us it might hurt you to say it but we would love jimmy anderson to be australian jimmy's story is one of perseverance endless hours of practice honing his craft a genuine love for the game and a longevity previously unheard of for a world-class quick if you want to achieve success in your field this is an episode for you a word of warning though a word of warning for our aussie audience Okay, the warning. Before you listen, if you wish to go to the cricket this summer and get stuck into Jimmy over the fence and give it to him, you may want to turn this podcast off right now, and I mean right now, because by listening, you will become a big fan of Jimmy. You'll become a big fan of Jimmy because he's a lovely bloke. You may find yourself, heaven forbid, you may find yourself cheering for Jimmy Anderson this summer. I will be. As you're about to hear, it is the love for Jimmy from Australian kids, not English kids, Australian kids, that has got him on the podcast. Who would have thunk? Enjoy the story of the most successful pace bowler in the history of test cricket, James Michael Anderson, OBE. So
1: when you search and then you find and know just where to go and thoughts that once used to cloud your mind, you see clearly and now you know Mystery, what is to be revealed in King Selassie? I, come on, children, trod with me. We want to reach Mount Zion.
0: Welcome to the Howie Games. What about this man? As far as fast bowlers go, the leading wicket-taker in the history of Test cricket and also a podcaster of note himself, which we'll get to. He joins us on the Howie Games. Jimmy Anderson. Jimmy, wonderful to see you over there in the UK. How are you, great man?
2: Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Howie. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, fantastic to have you. Let's get straight into the podcasting. I need to say right off the top, if you listen to one cricket podcast, it needs to be tail-enders, Felix White, Greg James and yourself. Do you enjoy the podcasting space? Because it is a ripping show, mate, and this comes from an Australian (laughs) listening to three fine Englishmen
2: as well. Yeah, I love it. absolutely love it. It's been something that I found a real kind of, uh, it's been a real release for me, something that I can get my teeth stuck into outside of cricket, although we do talk a little bit about cricket on the the podcast. Let's go. Hello and welcome to Tailender's. (laughs) Hello and welcome to, and thank you for having us on Enders. I can tell we haven't done it for a couple of weeks because I've forgot my line. What is it? Thank you for having us on Tailenders. Hey. Thank you, Jimmy Anderson. It's been something that, you know, can kind of just have a laugh really with a couple of mates. Um, and it's been, yeah, real... Sort of release for me. We're, we're actually going on tour as well. We're doing some live shows.
0: So, you will have been on tour by that stage. So, so what, what do you bring to the table on a live show? Is it sort of music and sport or like what is it? It's a bit of everything, yeah. We, so, we have
2: live music, um, you know, as I said, cricket, bit of cricket chat, but it's very sort of loosely based cricket chat. <laughs> And then, yeah, just a bit of fun. we have quizzes, a bit of audience participation, that sort of thing, and just have a laugh, really.
0: So is it a Freddie Flintoff-style, selling out, um, Wembley-style situation, or is it slightly smaller venues? Slightly
2: smaller, (laughs) um, but still, like, sort of between 1,500 and and 2,000 people. Uh, So it's still pretty, you know, really good venues uh, in the UK. So, um, yeah, we're excited. And I think it's something that... You know, we've definitely got uh, bigger, bigger sort of sites in the future. We want to try and do a sort of world tour. Wow. Um, so hopefully Australia will be on that list. And, um, you know, we've, e- even some more unusual places which you wouldn't expect to, uh, to, to see cricket. Um, you know, Brazil, we've definitely got on the cards. We've been oh, talking bit, yeah. to the <laughs> women's cricket team in Brazil. So uh, they're keen to have us over. So, yeah, was, uh, hopefully in the future, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get around a bit.
0: It's brilliant, isn't it? Because it, England, and from my experience, in living there and, and, and a lot of friends still there, it, it is a place where this type of thing, this live show, it sort of started with comedians really taking it out to big audience and now, you know, Freddie's done that type of thing and you're doing that type of thing. It's something that English fans really embrace, that live discussion, podcast, show, entertainment-style situation. It's brilliant.
2: Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's been something that certainly uh, in cricketing circles, I've seen a lot of people do. A lot of ex-players do it. They, they go on tour, just even if it's just two people on stage having a conversation. People seem to to love that. So, um, yeah, for us, it's a little bit different than just two two people having a conversation. There's a bit more to it. There's there's m- more things going on, more stupid stuff, um, trying to have a bit more fun with it, but. Yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing how well that, that goes over here.
0: And how do you go? I can appreciate it when the show comes on after you've just, you know, knocked over India and got Kohli again and you got five. But what happens when they get you on and you say you're in India and you've, you've done your 25 overs and Jay Anderson rarely, none for 126. How, how do you go in that situation when it's been a long day at the office?
2: Um, I think it's, as I said, it's a good release like just to get away from it. I know I've got to talk about the, the game a little bit. Um, but generally, can kind of it, it, I find it a little bit. It can be cathartic at times as well. When you actually, um, because I'm chatting to two mates, you can kind of be really open and honest about your your feelings about the game and how the games have gone. Even if it's not gone so well, you can kind of just open up and and talk through it. And it can be can be really good to do that. So um, I find it useful in in more ways than one uh and and something as i said it's just i find it really enjoyable and um something that i've definitely got more into as as you know the more we've done it
0: well hopefully this is enjoyable and cathartic <laughs> for you as well and <laughs> we can go down that path i i i sent you a message uh, Jimmy, um, a, a kind mutual friend of ours, gave me your number. And you, ne- you never know sending someone a, a, a message directly on their phone. And you responded beautifully and politely straight away, which I really appreciated. Then I, I sent you a couple of messages because one, My son, who's nine, who you'll hear from later on, we were watching India versus England in lockdown. He's like, Dad, you need to get Jimmy Anderson on. And I looked at him and, you know, I'm a big fan of your work and I looked at him and I said, do you think so? And he said, yes. And then I sent you a couple of Instagram direct messages that have been sent to me from 12 to 14-year-old Australian boys and girls saying, can you please get Jimmy Anderson on? Now, Jimmy, in my day, I wasn't wanting to hear from... Graham Dilley or Phil (laughs) DeFreitas or Norman Cowns. You guys were the enemies, but I don't know whether it's just you, but there is a tremendous amount of love for you here in Australia, which is fantastic.
2: Well, I appreciate that and it's definitely come as a bit of a surprise to me, (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) I've not felt that love before, certainly on on previous tours there um, too much, but that's great. I think it's... um, I think it's the same same here as well. You know that you you look at the the amount of kids in the UK who have got come in, mate. Um, more than
0: oh, so sorry, Jimmy. Uh, just... Sorry, Jimmy. Talking <laughs> about kids. Hang on, we, we've this is unannounced. You normally get a question from this man, but Jimmy, this is Mac who's just home from cricket training. I think he wanted to say good day.
1: Hey, Jimmy.
2: Hey, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How's practice?
1: Yeah, it
0: was pretty fun. Good. And
2: What do you do? You batter a
0: bowler. I'm more a batter. Oh yeah. I think he had a, this is, normally we do a pre-recorded question, Jimmy, which we play to you, but he, okay. he was that keen after watching you uh, destroy the Indians. Did you want to ask a direct question to Jimmy, mate? Sure. Well, you lean in there with the mic and, yeah, you know, I'll move out of the way. He's taken over Michelle. Off you go, <laughs> His name is Mac, Jimmy, by the way. Um. First off, great job playing against India. You're getting the ball to swing so much. And you got Koli out. That's, like, so good. But what I want to know is... How do you get the ball to swing so much? Because when I try and bowl, swing, even with a new ball, I can barely get it to swing at all. There you go, Jimmy. There you go. Live and exclusive with a nine-year-old. You didn't think you get getting this, did you?
2: Great question. Great question. Um, well, firstly, I'd say, without getting too technical, I'd say you're you're probably using a kookaburra over there in Australia, aren't you? Yes.
0: Hold, there you go. He's got, it, he's got it in his hand just in case, Jimmy.
2: <laughs> nice, yeah. Thankfully, in England, we use a duke, which is a slightly different make of ball. It's made slightly differently. The seam's slightly different. Uh, and for whatever reason, it swings a bit more than a kookaburra does. So don't expect me to be swinging it as much when I come over to Australia in the winter. Um, but I think it's some something that um, it's just getting your seam position as, as good as you can. Um, that's how I swing it as much as I do, is getting the seam position coming out consistently out of your hand um, in, the right, in the right direction, really. And it's just all that, um, unfortunately, that just takes a lot of practice. There's no real secret to that, to that um, sort of ability. It's just trying to practice as much as you can. Thank you. No worries.
0: Mackie, I was talking to Jimmy. I was explaining to him about how a lot of guys and girls your age love him. And when I was growing up, um, we didn't really like the English cricketers because <sighs> we wanted them to get beaten. Why, why do you like watching Jimmy in action? Um, you're just a very interesting player to watch, and I love when you get wickets by swinging the ball. There you go, Jim.
2: Nice, love it.
0: All right, mate, we'll See let you ya. go. There Bye. you go. Nice to me, mate. Take care. <laughs> Unannounced, Jimmy. As I say, normally we sort of get a pre-recorded, but he, he was that keen. He said, if I come home from cricket training, can I, can I chat with Jimmy? So that, that, mate, that's exactly what we're talking about. That, and 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 you you got interrupted there, but whether it's a generational thing or the kids see so much more of you because when I was growing up we would see you in Australia but we can't see you playing against India or the West Indies or whatever, whether it's more accessible I don't know but the the, the, the general youngsters here, they're talking about Jimmy Anderson and Joe Root as well.
2: Yeah, I think it is. it might be that accessibility thing, you know, even if you don't get it on TV, there's so many highlights and clips on, on social media that you can get hold of um, and obviously... I didn't have that in my day. I'm sure you didn't either. So no. you know, we just we just watch the series that, that is in front of us and, and what we can. So you don't really get to to know the players that well. You just sort of see them for a few weeks on a in a series, and then that's pretty much it. Whereas now you get much more. I think behind the uh, you know you see a, a lot more cricket for for a start, but you also see a lot more of of the the people themselves, the players themselves. I think mm. you get a lot more uh, insight into them and their personalities, and I think that's why. Um, you know, there is that more, more, more of a broad uh, sort of respect, I guess, for, for players around the world.
0: Well, thank you very much for answering this question. It's further to that point. <laughs> if I'd gone to school at his age in grade four and said to my mates, my favourite cricketer is Devon Malcolm, I'm not getting led into school, Jimmy, nah. with, the, with the Australian. <laughs> and I'm sure, who, who were you? When you were growing up as a youngster, like Mako's age, nine or ten, who, was, um, who were your cricket heroes or were they football heroes?
2: Well, I had a, I had a, a lot of um, sports people that I admired when I was a, as a kid. Um, I was a massive tennis fan. I loved yeah, yeah. playing tennis and I, I, I was desperate to be Boris Becker. Uh, as a kid, I was doing the diving volleys in the in the front room <laughs> with a soft tennis ball, driving my mum and dad crazy um, so yeah that that era of tennis Steffi Graf as well those two were just um incredible and obviously wimbledon 's the one um tournament we get over here, or we did mm. get over here, obviously, you can get a lot more now but but when I was growing up that was the the main sort of tennis we 'd see, so those two were the the big sort of inspirations and make making me want to play tennis. Um, from a cricketing point of view, uh, it was always difficult because England weren't very good in the 90s. So, um, <laughs> you know, I still, I, I love Darren Goff. Darren Goff was someone I, I, I really admired. Um, but obviously when, you know, the, the big series that we watched over here, Glenn McGrath was the, the one for me, sort of late 90s, watching him and Shane bowl together. Mm. Um was just incredible. And I found so inspirational, as much as I hated it at the time, being an Englishman, you know, you, you want, obviously wanted us to do well, but um, just the way I, I just thought that they were obviously incredibly skillful, but so um, competitive and just just, yeah, you could see them inspiring their own team as well as people around them watching.
0: Um, obviously your bubble life hasn't been as large as some of your teammates that are, that are playing IPL or, or white ball cricket now. But I spoke to Mitch Marsh on the show a couple of weeks ago and, and he described how difficult he found bubble life and the fact you couldn't interact with people and you couldn't get out and enjoy yourself or, or take in the delights of the places you're touring. He was talking about the West Indies. How, how have you found this COVID style of cricket? Well, like for instance, you blokes had a test match cancelled at the last moment not too long ago.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's been... Um... It's been strange um but you know i I might not need that interaction as much as most people. <laughs> I'm quite <laughs> happy with my my own company um but we just we've just found ways around it you know we've like we had the the whole summer last year um basically locked down um it, we were at either Southampton or Manchester staying on the ground um obviously couldn't move around much um so yeah, it's been it's been strange, um, and I can see why. You know, for me, it's I've I found it okay because I, w- with a test series, you, you're in for you know a few weeks, and then you're out again, and you can sort of uh, relax a bit and switch off. But for the guys that play all formats, the guys that play the franchise cricket as well, mm-hmm. with all the quarantines that have been, you know, that have been necessary, um, I can see how that can. Um, take its toll on someone. So I think, you know, that's certainly um, something we tried to do or England tried to do in the winter was uh, the last winter tour to India and Sri Lanka. We actually sort of rested people, um, you know, gave them a couple of weeks break here and there, you know, the guys that play all formats. Um, So I can understand why that happens. Um, But yeah, fingers crossed now, we're we're through the worst of it. I know there's still... um, you know the situation is not great in Australia currently, but um you know hopefully in the in the coming months, that can get a lot better.
0: I really want to have a chat with you, Jimmy, about about longevity and performance and, and the skills required and the and the mental and physical strength to continue to play for the period you have been but take me right back to the start you, you talked about tennis was cricket always a passion as a kid you, you you grow up where you are sort of around sort of Manchester and Lancashire way' it's, it's a it's a passionate area for cricket I guess in many ways
2: yeah it is uh, cricket was, cricket has always been a passion um, but I've just been sport has, has just been a, a passion really. Um, as I said, tennis, football, um, as you know, was right at the top of the list for me as well. Um, Who are you supporting the footy? I'm a Burnley fan, so I'm from a, I'm Burnley originally, uh, born in Burnley. And yeah, so I support Burnley.
0: Did you used to go um, to the footy as a young bloke?
2: Yeah, we had a season ticket. So it was like a family day out, Saturday afternoon. It'd be, um, <laughs> you know, my dad, granddad, uncles, cousins. We'd have a big roll of us in a season ticket. Uh Get a get a pie at halftime. Be the, the treat for the week. Um, so yeah, we I mean we were we were in probably what what is now League Two. So we were we were struggling like back then. Um, but it's been great to see them mm. get into the Premier League and stay there for for a while now. So um, yeah, that that was that was a big part of my upbringing. And I played at the cricket ground just behind Burnley Football Club as well. Um, my dad was second team captain there for a few years my uncle played in the first team um but I, I, as a, as a young kid i wasn't very good i was i was i loved you know going on the the ground at half time at tea um playing with the other kids there uh going to junior practice midweek um you know we played pairs cricket i think under 13s where you lose 5 runs if oh. you're out and um bat for a couple of overs each or four overs or something um so i loved all that but i was never very good at it there was all, there was sort of five or six lads at, at my club that were much better than me that played the, the sort of county uh, hmm. age group stuff. Uh, and it wasn't until I was like 15, 16 when I, I actually grew a bit taller, uh, started bowling a bit quicker. That's when I um, started getting noticed a bit more.
0: And what do you think was the progression, the, the size? and and But it was a quick progression. Like you played for England, which we'll get to I think in Australia for the first time as a very young man. So did it click or was it hard work or a combination of the above, Jim?
2: Over a sort of six-month period, I grew quite a lot. Like, we're talking a foot, probably. Huh. Um, and I just, I came back to practice and I just could bowl quicker. I don't know how, don't know why, <laughs> but uh, I was bowling a lot quicker. Um, and then I quickly went f- sort of 14. When I was 14, I was sort of okay. Um, you know, basically in the team for my fielding. So I dived around a bit um, and then 15 I came back and then I, I started breaking into the first team at Burnley and at that time it was a pretty good standard like the the overseas professionals in the Lancashire League were people like Roger Harper, um, Alan Donald, um, Jason Gillespie, uh, people like that so it was a, it was a pretty good standard. Um, so to, to start um, breaking in at that level and, and taking wickets at that level m- meant a lot f- to me and gave me a lot of confidence
0: did you have to face the likes of Alan Donald or not I can't remember
2: facing Alan Donald I remember facing David Saker who later became my bowling coach and he was he was a nasty piece of work on the field as a 15 year old kid he was sledging me and oh it was horrible but but, um, good fun looking back
0: Back to Jimmy in a tick. Next up on the Howie Games, Ashes extravaganza. It gets no better in my world. No better. My sporting idol when I was a kid and still today, the greatest of great men, Alan Robert Border.
1: 16, 17, you sort of um, beach girls, you know, just having a good time. The disciplines of cricket, you know, I I didn't really follow too strictly through that period. and so I was, you know, a couple of years sort of oscillating between first grade and second grade. Um, well, Had yeah. you finished school at this stage? Sort of just finishing school. So I finished school about 17, 18 and, um, yeah, just drifted. It you know, was really just had about probably 18 months of just drifting around, not really sort of knowing what to do with myself, you know, finishing school. Were you school. working? Uh, I, I didn't I, – I, I always say this is the best six months of my life was – <laughs> I'd get up in the morning, it was a yeah. summer, get up in the morning, go down to Balmoral Beach, spend all day at Balmoral Beach, walk back up the hill because I had no money but I only had a dollar. Walk back up the hill, I'd go to the local milk bar, get a hamburger, go home, <laughs> chop the hamburger um, and then sit in front of the TV until it, the old test pattern used to come on at oh, whatever time it was, midnight.
0: Bloody so, hell. And that
1: was my day. And I right. did it for six months, and then finally, my mum said, <laughs> uh, "You've had a good time, young man. Time for you to go and get a job."
0: That is Alan Border in one week's time. Count down the days. AB seven days from now. Next Thursday, that is on the Howie Games Ashes Extravaganza. Let's get back to Jimmy. So, at what stage before you get to the international stage, can can you remember a, a time or a match where all of a sudden? you started to really progress? You know, you know, batsmen, I always ask about their first hundred, but at the time you got a four or a five or really started to, to be able to take wickets and swing the ball, obviously.
2: Yeah, so swing was something that would come later on. When I first, when I, when I joined Lancashire, actually, at 18, that's when uh, I sort of almost got taught how to, to swing the ball. At uh, 15, Between 15 and 18, I just tried to bowl as fast as I could. So my, my head went down, like, you know, just literally trying to bowl flat out. Um, so there were instances where, you know, I didn't really know where it was going as well. So yeah. I'd, I could bowl three wides, four wides in a row, and then the next one would beat the batsman for pace and bowl him. Um, and I could also bowl at the old Beamer as well, which I did against Brad Hodge, uh, when he was overseas for Ramsbottom. Um, which he didn't take kindly to. He called me a few <laughs> names as well.
0: No, I bet. <laughs>
2: um, so, yeah, it was it was an interesting time. Like I, It was exciting for me because I was beating Batsman for pace, which I'd never done before. Um, but at the same time, I knew, I, you know, I didn't exactly know where it was going. So it was a bit, it, it was sort of, yeah, exciting, I, I'd call it.
0: The great Michael Vaughan uh, blessed us with his presence on this show and he told me, Jimmy, and I wouldn't expect you to do the same, some very what I could only describe as loose stories about his sort of introduction to playing with men and touring and county cricket life. How, how was it for you when you started playing with men as a young bloke that's still not legally allowed to have a beer in the pub, et cetera? It's an eye-opener, I guess.
2: Yeah, definitely. It was an eye-opener. Um, but I think it was something that I really enjoyed and really kind of, appreciated and it definitely helped me you know I was a really quiet kid at school I was really shy I didn't have any, many mates um and cricket was the one outlet where I, I actually made some real friends mm. um and I think that dressing room environment definitely helped with that you, you get to know people really well spending long long hours with people in that dressing room uh, and yeah there are eye-opening moments um but I think it 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 helps it helps you mature it helps you get a an understanding of what goes on in the dressing room.
0: You progressed as we talked about really quickly, mate. I think you'd played, well, you could tell me three or four one days for Lancashire, and all of a sudden you're in Australia and you're about to play your first one day international. H- how do you find out, firstly, that uh, you're going to be starting your international career at the MCG in the early 2000s where the joint used to heave and the positivity we spoke about at the start of the show maybe wasn't replicated in those days at the MCG, it'd be fair to say.
2: Yeah, you could say that. Um, <laughs> well, it was, it, so I I just been, well, I was actually out in Australia with the um, academy. So Rob Marsh at the time was in charge of oh. England's academy. We were in Adelaide for probably three or four months uh, on Henley Beach. And I had a, a, a great time there, I learned so much. We had some really good coaches, really good players. And it was kind of a holding ground for injured players from the Ashes. So we'd see, like, Simon Jones came through and flew home from there. I think Andrew Flintoff got injured as well. He went home from there. Um, So we'd see all these guys sort of being shipped off, and that was during the Test Series. And then the one-day series came around, and we'd moved on to Canberra for our first competitive match for the the Academy. And then I got a phone call the day before our game to say, basically, there's no-one left fit, so you're going to have to go to... uh, (laughs) Good enough. we we met up in sydney actually so i, went, I flew to sydney from canberra uh, met up with the team and it was kind of again a, a, i think my whole career at that point was just a whirlwind like getting a lancashire contract and then playing first class cricket for lancashire then getting on the academy and all of a sudden i'm in a hotel room in sydney with all this england training kit which you know like a, i was like a kid at christmas with all this <laughs> stuff that i'd seen the lads wear on tv it was just amazing um And then, yeah, so I didn't play the first game of that series. And then the second game at the MCG, NASA came came up to me and said, you're going to play this game?
0: Well, terrific start for Australia. Australia winning the toss and electing to bat first. This could be a pacey
2: pitch. It looks an absolute belter. And at that point, I was thinking, I'm just there as cover for for anyone getting injured. Um, And I wasn't even thinking about playing. And he, so when he came up to me, it was a real shock. And obviously the nerves set in. Good pace again from Anderson, 88 miles an hour. There will be nerves there. And Yeah, being at that ground, I mean, I, I think luckily uh, it was getting redeveloped. So there was a quarter of it was knocked down. So yeah, it was, of course. So the capacity yeah. was only about 50,000 then. It was only 50 rather than 100. <laughs> so um, it wasn't too bad. But um, yeah, the game came around. Um, so sort of factoring in that I had to open the bowling against Gilchrist and Hayden which was awful. It's beautifully timed,
1: Irani uh, doing the job down at third man. I really do wonder about, um, we talk about strategy and field placings, only two men outside the circle on a huge field, you need flyers in my opinion, and England have got Blackwell and Irani as your two men outside the circle. Gilchrist Kristen on the app, four more, 18 off the over. It'll be time for a rest, I think, for Jimmy Anderson.
2: It's 69 for one, Australia. Um, I had to then field on the boundary without a name on my shirt in front of Bay 13. Oh, you didn't have a name. <laughs> that, that,
0: that's how late you came to the, not a name on your shirt.
2: Didn't have a name on my shirt, no. Because um, <laughs> I don't think they were expecting me to play
0: either. <laughs> no, take, take me back a step, sorry. I, uh, I am so interested in these type of stories. So, uh, I don't know, it, it's 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 nearly 20 years ago, but you're at the top of your mark. Yeah. It's the MCG in summer. It's a one-day international under lights. You haven't got a name on your back and you've got you mentioned Gilchrist and Hayden yeah. and you got the white ball in your hand. Holy moly, like welcome to international cricket, Jimmy.
2: Yeah, so it was it was a day-night game, but we um we bowled first. So it was mid-afternoon. Um well, yeah, it would have been just after lunch, wouldn't it? So it was hot. I remember being like really sweaty, trying to grip the ball, and the sweaty palms were making that difficult. So um, yeah, it was just it was kind of. I think my, in my head, I was like, because I wasn't expecting to be there. I just thought, let's just give this a good go and see what happens. Like, just then, like, try and enjoy it. Try and bowl fast. Um, you know, it's it's. I was. I think Gilchrist was a. My first ball, and I just, you know, I just thought, let's, you know, he's he's amazing. So if he's going to play some good shots, then um, (laughs) just, yeah, just try and bowl as fast as I could and and enjoy it.
0: So as it turns out. There's a a big positive and there's a big negative here because I I had a look at it, Jimmy. Your first one day international, one for 46 of six overs, Australia win, so there's another positive, Jimmy. Your massive positive was your first wicket was Adam Gilchrist. There's a positive. The negative for England is that Gilly was on 124 at the time.
2: Yeah. 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 And, And also it wasn't a great ball. It was a wide off volley that he dragged back onto the stumps. Didn't reflect the quality of the bowling. He's got some pace and he's got his wickets. Well, that's just what England needed. Maybe they needed it 20 overs ago, but they've got it now. And uh, for James Anderson, it's his first international scalp. The man he's got is Adam Gilchrist, who will now make his way back to uh, the players' area with a standing ovation. Well, so it was Adam Gil first wicket. Adam Gilchrist. I mean, yes. But- Yeah, he was on 124. Yeah, we lost by. I don't know what we lost by, but we got hammered. Um, The other thing that happened that game. So we were batting under lights, and Brett Lee was steaming in. And back then, we just used one ball. So it got really dark and and dirty by the the end. So I'm under lights, the MCG, with this dirty ball trying to face Brett Lee at 90 miles an hour. um, And I was wearing. We used to have this short leg helmet. So I didn't even have a helmet at that point. <laughs> so we had this sh- special short leg helmet that's got an extra like bar that comes under the chin to protect yeah. you. So I was wearing this stupid fielding helmet without a name on my back. I was just, yeah. But like you say, there's some positives in there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't much longer, mate, you, till you made your Test cricket debut. And we, We're not obviously going to go through all our 166 Test matches that you've played. May 22nd, 2003 versus Zimbabwe at Lords. The great Mark Butcher, a man uh, I love, made 137. Five for 73 in your first Test match. And I read those figures and I thought, wow, he's unbelievable. How nervous were you? Because the other thing I noted, your first over went for 17.
2: Yeah, it did, yeah. Um, so my my first over um, is since then, Nasser Hussain, who was captain at the time, has apologised for this because he he I bowled that first over without a fine leg. Oh,
0: um
2: so just kept, kept getting um clipped down to fine leg for four. Um once he put a fine leg in it, things got better So uh <laughs> yeah I was I was I was incredibly nervous then. Um you know again still I'd learnt a lot in the first so I've been playing played the world cup which was in the start of 2003. So I played a lot of white ball cricket. Yeah. Um but that was my first yeah, first Red Bull game for England. Um, so still nerves there. I, I still wasn't anywhere near the finished product. So I knew, you know, I didn't know my game very well. So if things start going wrong, I've nothing to fall back on. Um, so yeah, there, there, huh. were, there were nerves there. But I still like to play at Lord's, first yes. game at Lord's, just an absolute dream. Yeah. Bowling, Anderson
0: is struck. His first Test match wicket for England. And the end of Mark Vermeulen. So tell me about that. As a kid growing up in England, yeah, I've had so many Australian crickets on this show that that talk for for however long about that baggy green. You, you guys have got that beautiful dark blue with, with the with the lines on the cap. What does it mean to to a young bloke to to wow as you say, you're debuting at Lords. Yeah. You can't get any better. Oh what a jaffer. Heath Street was aiming to lag. That ball has swung back late and hit bang on middle.
2: It's just a dream. Like you, I, I remember s- sitting in my spot, just staring at the cap that you've been given. Like I can't believe I'm holding it. It's just, uh, just amazing. Um, and I don't think the it, the cap definitely does have a, uh, you know, it, it, we don't have the, the the baggy green. Like you mm. know, it's it's. I feel like that uh, in Australia, you're much more passionate about that sort of thing. Yes. it's much more symbolic of. of um, uh, of what you do, but there's there's still a lot of, I I, I just think it's that it's the seeing the badge, seeing the the three lions with the the crown on it, um you know cricket's the only sport where we that it has the crown on. If you look at all the other badges, they don't have that, so it, it just makes it that bit more special. Um, seeing it on the shirt or the or the cap for me just uh, still gives me goosebumps. Now thinking that I I can I can wear that and playing it.
0: It's a golden duck for Travis friend. Brilliant, brilliant bowling from James Anderson. My, my, he's done it again. Two wickets and two balls. It's brilliant, mate. Fifa, um, and you were just bowling blokes left, right, and centre. And that is that.
1: What a sight of the five wicket haul for James Anderson. He will receive the cuddle from everybody in sight because he is a star in the
0: making. The other thing I noticed, Jimmy, some nice uh tip work in there. <laughs> you knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. There's some real sharp blonde sort of stuff in the hair.
2: Yeah. That that was um that was remnants of the, the, the previous winter, I think. Um being in Australia, that was just the, the thing to do. Everyone everyone by the beach had had a few <laughs> uh, a few highlights in there, a few tips in there. So uh that was um, yeah. That just that stayed with me for a, for a little
0: bit. Mate, how how does life change when you start to progress? Um, and before you got to injury, and we'll talk about uh, as a young fella how you get through more difficult times in your career. But you know, I read a story about um, the British Grand Prix. You can tell me this is true. And you had the opportunity to to meet Michael Schumacher, and they flew you to Silverstone in a in a helicopter all of a sudden. Is it a true story.
2: Yeah, true story. Yeah. Um, we had the same sponsor at the time as, as Ferrari. We had uh, Vodafone on our shirts and they, um, there was this sort of like day where it was just a, a day for them to get, you know, photo opportunities. We, a couple of us went down, I think Alex Stewart and it might have been Vaughney, um, went down to, we we're in the pits at, at Silverstone playing cricket in the pits with Michael Schumacher having a <laughs> chat, you know, it was just absolutely surreal. And not, like, like yeah, getting getting chop it in and chop it out was just uh, that was a real eye opener for me. Thinking, wow, this is <laughs> this is some life, that, um, just for throwing a few balls down to to get smacked out of the park.
0: How was Shui? Um, he he was the first person I ever interviewed, um, Jimmy, and it was a freaking disaster. I got to ask him two questions, and the first one he said sorry, I don't understand your accent, so I asked him a second <laughs> oh, question and he said, I don't, still don't understand oh, it no. and that was the end of my two questions, so I hope you had... I can't say I did, <laughs> trying, to, no, trying to get him to
2: understand cricket. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you start with that, trying to explain cricket to a German Formula One driver? Um, no, it was, he, was, he was good actually, you know, he was, he was nice, he was, um, like I said, he played, he, he smacked a few balls around in the pits and uh, it was good fun, yeah.
0: So along those lines, and I've chatted to well, he's Lord Ian Botham now, and it, it was a different time. But the the, the English press have a, an enormous ability to build up, build up even more than we do, and, and pull down, pull down. How did you go with the build up, build up, build up, where you became really quickly a a, a very well known, famous face in England? And you, as you said, you're you're a shy bloke at school. How's the transition for you? Difficult, I guess.
2: Yeah, I think um, the, the hardest bit was the, so like, I, I, I I'm briefly mentioned there about the start of my career. It was kind of a, let's just see how this goes, enjoy it while it lasts. You know, I was 20 years old, um, didn't expect to be playing for England at that point. Just, you know, I just felt lucky to be there. As you get uh, into your career and as you get more success, there becomes that expectation and that a little bit more profile, a bit, bit more um, you know a bit more attention on you, and I think that maybe took its toll at, at some point that you know you, you cut that that feeling of let's just enjoy it while I'm here," turned into actually people are relying on me here to to take wickets every time I go out there, which are, you know it can be a little bit can be too much at times, especially at 20, 21 years old.
0: And then injury comes, tell, tell me about that, you know, it seems it's almost a, 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 a passing right for fast bowlers to get the stress fractures and, and back issues and it came to you and, and remodelling. How was it then, as you say, you're getting flown in choppers because you send a few balls down. What is it like when you can't send the balls down, Jimmy?
2: Yeah, that, that, I found that tough. Um, you know, I I've, I've had a bit of injury at the start, of my, like sort of 2004, injuries started creeping in little niggles um and I, because i was that you know i was that scared of someone taking my spot and doing well i didn't tell anyone about it so actually my form dipped and then i, I lost my spot in the team um and then it was a couple of years later when i got my stress fracture and i actually think that was probably a, a really good looking back it was a really good thing for me it allowed me to sort of um just reset i, I you know, looking back, I didn't like where my action was going. I was doing work trying to um, get more pace out of myself. So trying to bowl 90 miles an hour plus, um, which affected me, my ability to swing the ball. Um, it affected my accuracy. Um, so looking back, actually that injury, having six months out of the game, allowing me to then go back to my old action, the one that I started with as a kid, Um You know, looking back, that's really helped me and set me up uh, to to have a really good career.
0: The phone call where you get dropped from the side—is that devastation? Is that what am I going to do now, or is that right? This is just a hurdle on the journey. Um,
2: I think it it's a hurdle. I definitely. I think I I was fortunate in a way that I did have some success in that early stage of my career, that early sort of twelve to eighteen months, because the the I think the nagging doubt for any sports person is, am I good enough to compete at this level? And because I'd had that success early, I knew I could do it at that level. And it was just a case of trying to, you know, get through the injuries, get my body in a good, good enough place to, to, to do it more often, uh, to get my action good enough and to, to get that consistency um, and, to, and to be able to bowl when the ball's not swinging and when it's not uh, in favour of the bowler. So those things put together, I think, um, definitely definitely helped me in that, in
0: that period where I got injured. That's the end of Jimmy Anderson Part A. Another 300 or so test wickets still coming your way in Part B.
2: Listener.